I wasn't a Christian man, I'd probably be kicking in your way. Well, <clears throat> it's time for another quick hits. The world of college athletics just keeps spinning. And as I told you on earlier this week, I think it was Monday or Tuesday, we don't know these people. So all your worship of coaches and administrators and money and athletes, you should take a second look at it before you before you throw your life out there worshiping at their feet. Well, you ask me why I say all this? Well, I haven't updated the Northwestern story and then two other stories that will probably make you shake your head here next on Quick Hits here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Our summers are so short in Minnesota, it can be easy to forget about important safety measures. And when extreme heat is involved, safety is even more critical. Here are a few things to remember to keep you and your loved ones, including your pets, safe and comfortable. One, remember to not leave your pets and kids in your vehicle. Two, always stay hydrated in hot weather. Three, avoid exercise during the hottest times of the day. Four, stay in air conditioning as much as possible. Five, when traveling, stay sky aware. Check the forecast, prepare for unsafe driving conditions, thunderstorms, and tornadoes. High temperatures kill hundreds of people every year, but most heat-related deaths and illnesses are preventable. If we all slow down, take some time, check on our loved ones, and enjoy the beautiful season. I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. I hope you're never injured in a collision, but if you are, don't sign anything until you've talked to us. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Bradshaw and Bryant. Man, I feel like money. Welcome back to the latest episode of the JB Low Tech Podcast, Quick Hits. I would tell you that song is apropos of today's show because it's all about money and it's all about buzzing. So here we go. When I left you on, uh, I think it was Tuesday when I did, no, it was Monday when I did the podcast about Northwestern University and Coach Pat's fists, uh, Gerald being fired i had some uh strong takes on that i wasn't on pro fire or non-fire i just tried to give people background information on how and why things happen and i let you make your own decisions it was one of the biggest as far as mailbag <laughs> for me ever and so let me go through some of these Kevin B. from St. Louis, the passion came out in your voice on this topic. That's because it's something near and dear to my heart. Uh, I can't tell you how many times where athletes almost got me in trouble for things that they weren't doing or were doing. So, And when you go to talk, to, and as I stated in the podcast, when you go talk to the coach, you also are leery of losing the coach 
Are you going to be singled out as the person who is the problem? Or are you going to be singled out as the person who is the snitch? Or are you going to, whatever it may be, you could lose your, your, your relationship with your coach or the coach of that team because of your, you deemed uh, or dare to come step forward and give information. So that's why my voice came out on that. A friend at Northwestern. Yeah, this is a big mess with these people. I guess it is a big mess. I didn't know exactly, and I didn't write him back to ask what he actually meant by that. But I I could tell that he's a little upset about what's going on down there in Evanston, Illinois. Scott W. in Minnetonka, Minnesota. Great inside info on that topic. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate it. He's a loyal listener. Uh, Marvin in Denver, Colorado, a new listener. The Harvard of the Midwest, yes, that's what I called Northwestern the other day. It's just, and he then he had a further comment on some of the stuff that was coming out of Northwestern. Uh, it's a shame a hairstyle or a type of clothing still gets you discriminated against in 2023. He's actually correct. This has been a struggle with not only at Northwestern, Northwestern but other colleges. Iowa had... University of Iowa football program a couple of years ago had to let go of his strength and conditioning coach for their football program because he was telling players that what they could wear and what they couldn't wear because they needed to fit in and not look like they were from the streets or whatever. whatever. So Marvin's dead on with that comment. Uh, Oddly enough, let's go back to Northwestern here real quick. But Northwestern baseball. Not only are they dealing with issues with their football program, but also Northwestern baseball. Uh, players have uh, come forth and complained to the president and the athletic director of a culture, a toxic culture. Try to say that uh, five times quickly. A toxic culture at the university, uh, Northwestern University. Um, also, and I thought I heard this. Members of the coaching staff <laughs> tried to resign at the early part of the season. When you have assistants that you hired are looking to get out, boy, you must be one massive pain in the you-know-what. I mean, Jesus. Uh, also, players on that team had the same complaint about uh, discri- discriminatory uh, language and discriminatory behavior and culture within the Northwestern baseball program. You know, so intelligence, I guess, doesn't always mean that you don't do stupid things. You know, as I stated, Northwestern is the Harvard of the Midwest, and they they had their issues with stupid employees. Well, let me continue on with the mailbag. Jerry E. from Bloomington. I sent your podcast to my college soccer playing nephew and told him not to be a knucklehead. Again, <laughs> that, uh, number one, thanks, Jerry. But number two, yes, all college students, especially college athletes, should be brought in a meeting and when they're being told, don't do this, don't do that, uh, this can get you in trouble. <laughs> the, the message should end with, don't be a knucklehead. Thanks, Jerry. I appreciate that. 
And then also I heard from my title sponsor, Mike Bryant of Bradshaw and Bryant Law Firm in Golden Valley, Minnesota. Very interesting topic. You did a solid job of covering the topic. Then he gave me crap as I told the story about the late hazing that goes on in college athletics, you know, being made to sing your high school fight song or carry luggage or doing something like that. I had performed the song Rapper's Delight my freshman year at the University of Minnesota. Yes, Mike, Rapper's Delight, because it was one of the few songs I knew the word, knew the entire words to at the time. So thanks, for, uh, thanks to everybody for their responses. I really must have hit a nerve with that uh, podcast because I got a lot of responses and several people. Oh, one other Mike. Stop me in the hallway at work. Mike C. in Minneapolis, my uh, unit director, he goes, I really liked the podcast because you got my blood boiling, and I love when my bud is bl- bud is, blood is boiling. So I don't know why, why he likes his uh, blood boiling. If you knew Mike, Mike is the calmest dude you ever want to meet. He's a great, he's one of the greatest unit directors I ever had so and I'm not just saying that to uh, get favor from him or anything he just is what he is so but it was funny that he the way he put it Um, so let me update you on where things are at with Northwestern and then I have a couple of other NCAA stories that you may find interesting at Northwestern University as you as you well know by now, they fired head coach uh, Pat Fitzgerald. But here's the interesting thing, and let me preface this. I said on Monday, the people who should have told Coach Fitz there was an issue are the assistant coaches and, the, and maybe the staff staffers. Now, again, I'll go back. Staffers kind of have it kind of hard because – they're stuck between their relationship with the athletes and their relationship with coaches and administrators. And sometimes they don't do anything, but, and I forgot to mention this, at every school, every year, people in a position, and I had to sign one every year or every two years that stated that I was a mandatory, mandatory reporter, meaning if I saw something, I had to, and if I didn't, I would get fired. But if you said something, then you could lose the locker room yourself or the trust of the athletes. Or if you say something, you can lose the trust of the coaches, as I stated earlier in this podcast. When they get, you know, they deem you, deem you as the issue, not the issue, not the athlete, but you, because you dared to bring it to their attention. So... And I say all that because Coach Fitzgerald is the only person who's getting fired in this deal. None of the assistants who are supposed to be the people who are closest to the players are the assistant coaches and the strength coaches and then the, the athletic trainers and equipment managers. The assistant coaches are told to keep a strong relationship with the, with the athletes and position coaches are told to keep 
a strong relationship with the athlete to know what's going on in their lives and know how things are going on in the locker room and know how things are going on in the classroom outside of the academic people. They are the ones who are supposed to know what's going on, have the uh, feel of the streets, per, if you want to call it that, or know, you know, just, just know, just know that they, if there's somebody with a code, they should know that and be reporting that. But oddly enough, at Northwestern, not did they fire uh, Coach Fitzgerald, then they elevated the defensive coordinator to be the interim head coach. Now, I predicted that's what it happened because we're less than a month away from practicing started, and there's no way you could hire a head coach and then hire a staff in that time and then try to play a season. It is impossible. Now, so not only did he get elevated as an interim head coach, and that is um, David Braun, the defensive coordinator. I guess they did it because he's only been there six months, so or less than six months, so they felt he probably knew less of anybody. So, And um, all other assistant coaches and staff were retained. I just find that head-scratching. Now, for me, Coach Fitzgerald should have probably received a year suspension and brought back in a season. This, to me, feels like a, a little bit of a hit job. You had one athlete who really wanted to, and he's made it, he made it clear once the two-week suspension was announced by the school, that's, this is why he went to the school newspaper, he made it clear he wanted Coach Fitzgerald fired. So I, I just feel like this is a hit job. Uh, unfortunately, in college sports, if you have a bad relationship with an athlete who wants to get you, they'll get you. And that's the way things are these days. You, you as a coach, can't run them off anymore. As I told you on Monday, that pendulum has swung from all the power to the coaches and administrators to basically to the athletes. And if they want to get you, they want to, they will get you. I tell people of a story and I'm getting a little personal here, but I'm using it as an example, but this actually happened to me. I was brought into a disciplinary hearing and what was stated to me was a saying that my mother would say to some of us when we would ask, am I your favorite? Am I your favorite? Yes, I had college athletes who would ask me that. I have no clue why they, why they would bother to ask me that. They weren't going to get anything extra out of me. They weren't going to get any extra attention. They were, they were getting nothing. So I just it started to remind me of what my mother would say. I love you all the same. I hate you. And I would just walk away at that point. And they thought that was enough for a disciplinary hearing. And the union rep who sat next to me was like, you can't bring that in here. And two of the, uh, uh, the administration kept going. And finally, a higher ranking member said, he's right. We can't go any further with this. But it's just so silly 
how a vendetta from a, a student athlete, how far it can get because they're upset that, and in my case, because I wouldn't tell them that they were my favorite. Well, I wouldn't tell anybody. I told them who my favorite all-time athlete was, and she at the time was an assistant head coach on the soccer team. So she wasn't even an athlete anymore. But, yeah, they kept all staff and kept all, all coaches and all support staff, but they fired the person who would probably know the least because he leans on those other people to get the information to him. So take with that what you will, but that's what happened. So uh, the, the, the racial stuff, again, as I explained earlier, had more to do with cultural stuff like hairdos and clothing, and you have to act a certain way, which probably could have been addressed very easily. Uh, the University of Iowa, like I said, they fired their strength coach because I think it went a lot deeper. But um, in Coach Fitzgerald's case, it was part thrown on top of the other stuff, the car washing, which was uh, nude shower pranks. I don't understand the nude stuff, but um, and and also underclassmen made to take nude quarterback snaps. I again, the nude stuff, are scaring players while wearing masks while being nude. I don't get the nude stuff, but. And that was called running. And all, all this this list that was on this uh, dry erase board was under the heading of running. So if you walked in and you saw running, you would just go, oh, they're just being made to run. So it was code for something else. Now, they tried to claim that Coach Fitzgerald would clap a certain way as a signal to the upper class that he needs to be run or something. But um, good luck proving that point. Well, I hope I cleared up what the latest is on that. And um, in a way, it seems kind of silly. Uh, it does fall under the boys will be boys, but boys got to remember it's 2023. You can be canceled or you can get somebody canceled. And in, in, in the case of Coach Fitzgerald, who will probably be a head coach by this time next year and the president at Northwestern probably won't be the president at Northwestern, my prediction by this time next year. So let's move off of that and move on to something else. The committee on infractions at the NC2A have hand down a punishment to who's the lucky school, the university of Tennessee football program in 2000 from 2026 to 2019 they had a head coach named Jeremy Pruitt coach Pruitt decided and this is before name image and likeness and even this wouldn't fit under name image and likeness so when you think about this and I start using he paid athletes athletes don't get paid by schools under the rules of name image and likeness they earn the money by working for entities 
Now, the entity could be owned by a booster, but they still have to do the work for that booster or that entity, that car, that car uh, dealership or that Gatorade or Gatorade or Powerade or whomever, but they still have to do work for them. It could be a TV commercial. It could be signing autographs at their locations. It could be holding a camp and making the car dealership a partner sponsor. It could be um, all type of things, but they have to do actual work to earn the money. They just can't sign a contract and be handed a wad of cash and said, yeah, we're good. They actually have to do work to earn that money. Well, in Tennessee coach was handing out cash and these were to recruits and only thing they were doing to earn it was to show up on an official or unofficial visit and the money was flowing as i was saying saying earlier it's all about money and it's got people buzzing but they they got nailed for two things in particular they got nailed for a uh, $6,000 payment to one kid's mother to help pay her. Uh, no, that was $3,000 to help pay her medical bill. You know, nice cause, wrong way of handling it. Plus, he wasn't a student athlete at school yet, so that totally is illegal. And then, then another one was uh, to a mother for a down $6,000 down payment on a new car. Again, this is a recruit. This is not even an actual athlete on their campus. You can't do that. That's an inducement that is paying to get them to come there. That is against NC2A violations. Now, I will state that the University of Tennessee turned themselves in. And gave up all, they did the investigation, and they turned in all this information to the NC2A. And that's partly because they hated Jeremy Pruitt so much and wanted him gone that they turned snitch on their own head football coach. That's just, again, the, again, we don't know these people. They're not that smart. But there was other things. There was... Uh, uh, Visits to nail salons and on uh, restaurants that they shouldn't have been going to. Now, when I say that, you you only have a certain distance off your campus that you can go to have meals with recruits at. It's got to be within a three-mile radius of your campus or whatever. So, I mean, like, I took uh, recruits to J.D. Hoyt's while... There is a building very close to that area that is uh, part of the University of Minnesota campus. It makes uh, J.D. Hoyt's totally legal. So, but they were they were going to all different places from pot pies to, uh, you know, the uh, a Waffle House to all you know you name it. They went to it, but they were out of that three mile range. And there were other things going on. Well, the University of Tennessee also self-imposed bowl ban or postseason play 
after they had turned in that information for a couple of years. Well, number one, they were bad, so they weren't going to bowl games anyway. But number two, again, when you give up the information and you ban yourself in the past, that's kind of got you off the hook. Well, here is what Tennessee is going to get hit with. In the past, it's always been things directed that hurt the athletes the most. We're going to take away scholarships. We're going to um, no uh, postseason play and things like that. Now the NC2A has actually gotten a little smarter. First thing was, I think, and I've heard two uh, amounts between eight and nine million dollar fine. That's the first time I ever heard the school get nailed with a fine. Bravo, NC2A Committee on Infractions. Bravo. Hit the schools where it hurts. Have them lose some of that big old fat TV money, and they'll start taking this seriously. Whereas when they didn't go to a bowl game, yeah, they lost a little money, but it was like, yeah, big whoop. But when you say an eight to nine million dollar fine, pay it up, gets everybody thinking a lot, you know, a lot clearer and a lot better. A 28 week ban on recruiting. And that is three weeks each year. And then there's a week in postseason between December and January, they also lose a week. And you say, what's the big deal with that? That is, Those are the big times that you really are pushing kids after they've come off their seasons for official visits, and you've, um, you really are hitting them with communications, texts, and emails, and letters. In the, well, it used to be letters in the mail. They probably don't do that anymore, but texts and emails and phone calls. And now when you basically are in a dead period where you can't communicate and other schools are communicating their butts off, that's going to affect your recruiting. Uh, They are losing 16 scholarships. Uh, They lost some last year, and they lost some this coming year. So per se, that's not hurting the athletes. It's hurting the, the team because they're not bringing in people on that they'll be able to give scholarships to. So uh, five years probation. Five years probation. You say, what is that? I will uh, tell you more about that, but yeah, five years probation. They lose 36 official visits. I don't know what the uh, total amount of official visits that you get in a given year, calendar year, uh, were, what's the difference? Let me stop here. The um, difference between official visit and unofficial visit is the school is picking up the cost of travel, all meals, and hotel for that 48-hour period that you're in town and your parents are with you. Unofficial visit, the kid and his family pick up the tab for the 
travel costs and the hotel and meals. So that's the difference between official and unofficial. So they're losing 36 unofficial, I mean, 36 official visits. So that's 36 less chances they have to bring a recruit in and and I hate to use the term, but I can't use anything else or think of anything else, wine and dine them and, you know, get them into a fancy hotel and, you know, pay for their 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 travel, be it air trip or reimburse their family for gas. So that's 36 times that are now going to become unofficial, meaning recruits are going to have to pay for that. Again, I don't know what the official number of, official uh visits a school is given each year but still that hurts uh as i stated force 28 weeks force uh not being able to communicate with recruits uh basically radio science uh silence from them uh forced dead period extra dead period dead periods are where schools can't have no schools can have any contacts with any recruit, even a recruit that calls them. All the coaches can say is, when a dead period, uh, send me your information. I'll get back to you when we're back live. The six-year show cause on the then head coach, Jerry, Jeremy Pruitt. That means he's personally on six-year probation, meaning if he – got hired, somebody hired him as a head coach. And if he did something wrong again, he can be fired instantly and also be deemed unhirable by the NC2A. In this six-year period of this show cause, if he gets hired as a head coach, he also automatically has to sit out the first year of that contract. That is a poison pill that's never been used before by the NC2A. Yes, is a school willing to hire somebody to then only have them have to sit the first year they get there and not be able to talk to recruits and not also not to be around the building to install whatever the heck he's trying to install as far as, and I hate the word culture, but his culture on that team. And so I said, this is a hell of a poison pill because unless you are Nick Saban or somebody of that stature, no school is going to touch you. So in the next six years, they have basically made him unhirable by any other school. A uh, five-year uh, five show cause on the director of recruiting at the time at the University of Tennessee. So that person, if they got hired to do that job in another school and then did something wrong within that five years probation, he could, he would be fired. He or she would be fired and deemed unhirable by the NC2A. A 10-year show cause on the assistant director of recruiting. Now, this person must have been just out of control because the head coach got six years, the director of recruiting got five years, and the assistant director of recruiting gets 10-year show calls. 
10 years. So that tells me that this is the bag, or we used to call the bag person or the money person, the person that was delivering the money, the person setting up the deals and knowing that they, um, they were just doing whatever they wanted to do and were just out of control. They were not falling in compliance with anything. So I said the five-year uh, probation for the University of Tennessee football, a, a, and this is the thing that falls in that five-year. Each year of that five-year, they will be under an official compliance review by the NC2A. And let me tell you from personal experience, you don't want to be in that mess. I've had to deal with it where team, where the department I worked in was, we were on probation, we were under review every year, and it's just a pain in the butt to have somebody come in and interview you on what you're doing with your job. Are you buying equipment the right way are you buying it equally for men and women are you are you doing this how are you giving it out why are you giving it out and that's just for an equipment manager can you imagine what coaches and administrators have to do so five years of the nc2a up their butt with a fine microscope and again what's the difference about this they didn't hit them with the the good old no postseason ban crap. And they also didn't hurt the young people who weren't involved and they did not, which was all the people that were actually on the team. And they didn't hurt future people per se that could come there and be recruited and get a scholarship because you go there and you want to play in postseason play so they won't be nailed with that. So, again, NC2A, Committee on Infraction, haven't changed things. And I think they changed it for the better. What do you think? Let me know. Like all you people did with the Northwestern story. Sent me texts or sent me emails or just stopped me in the hall and uh, told me I got their blood boiling. Okay, again, I'll preference this with we don't know these people. This is a different story, but it's uh, the story at a lot of people's favorite school, well, at least for football. But in this case, we're talking about baseball. And excuse me while I take a quick sip. Okay, I'm back. And um, the University of Alabama Alabama baseball is in hot water for a gambling issue. Did not involve any athletes. It was their head coach. And if you are head coach of a SEC baseball program, you are making good money for your job. But this knucklehead, uh, Brian Bohannon, or, excuse me, Brad Bohannon, the the ex-head coach at the University of Alabama, decided that he would give inside information to a guy named Bert Eugene Neff Jr. 
Now, look, wait for me to tell you about this guy. But getting back to Coach Bohannon, like I said, we don't know these people, and obviously he's dumb, and I'm going to tell you how dumb he is because the person he was dealing with, this this Brett Eugene Neff Jr., is one of the dumbest people I've ever seen or heard of in my life. Well, this Neff guy walked into Bet MGM at uh, the home of the Cincinnati Reds and decided to lay a $100,000 bet on a college baseball game. Yes, $100,000 bet on a college baseball game. Well, that sent off bells on the, the people sitting at the counter because the most you can bet is on a college baseball game at most places is like $5,000. Nobody bets college baseball. Nobody's willing, the casinos are not willing to waste their money on college baseball. So they have a ceiling on sports like college baseball. But this clown decides, this Neff person decides to walk in and try to convince them to take a $100,000 bet. Listen, part of the thing was he walks in, he has his cell phone out with the with the name and number of the head coach of the University of Alabama showing, which was caught on t- surveillance tape by the casino. So, Coach Bohannon, there's no way to deny it. Goodbye. And he was fired by the University of Alabama. But this Neff guy goes, I have inside information, and I want to bet on uh, – LSU, Louisiana State University. The last thing you tell a casino is, I have inside information. So this Chombalone decides that he's going he's gonna to convince them to take his bet because he's got inside information. Now the casino's now, you know, scoping in on his phone. Uh, tapping his uh, messaging system, which he thought was encrypted. He's, <laughs> this guy's a mess. But, again, this Brad Bohannon, his former head coach, decided to uh, give him some information to place a bet. Now, if he'd have just placed a $5,000 bet, he'd have gained, five, you know, whatever the odds were. I don't even know what the odds were. He'd have won some money. He went on with life. But as I stated, no one bets on college baseball. No casino would take a bet more than 5K. And the last thing you do is tell a casino that you have inside information. Uh, he was messaging the head coach at the time. No, As I stated, no players were involved. Uh, since then, uh, other people at other schools have gotten nailed because of their dealings with this Neff guy. Now, Neff, I guess, is a um, a uh, he runs a program in Indiana called Indiana Elite, or he's an organizer, Indiana Elite Baseball, which is a Midwest program to help college recruiters scout 
possible college baseball player. Well, this story has now gone on further than the University of Alabama. Xavier University in Indiana has laid off two staffers because of their connections with Neff. They didn't say if they were part of a, a gambling ring or anything. It was just enough that they had, <coughs> excuse me, that they had uh, contact with Neff and <laughs> Xavier ran him off and eventually fired their uh, head baseball coach. Or no, he resigned. Uh, this Neff guy's son also was a pitcher on the uh, Xavier baseball program. So this guy's just taking down baseball programs all around the country. And just keep your head and your eyes on the lookout, your ears and your eyes out for on the lookout because I would say other schools will be in trouble because of Brett Eugene Neff Jr., and his antics of trying to be a big-time gambler, and he's a big-time fool. People, the one thing that will remain the same, even though colleges are taking money from casinos and you you can now have legal gambling all different states and whatnot, is athletes still can't bet on sports, as you see with NFL players who are now being deemed for betting in their locker rooms. They weren't, they weren't even, one guy was betting on football games and betting on his team, but most of them aren't even betting on football. They're betting on basketball. They're betting on baseball. They're betting on horses. They're betting on college sports. But the NFL has clearly stated you can't do it on their property. You can't do it on your team properties. These guys are getting waylaid and nailed and uh, suspended by the league for anywhere from a six months and a year because they won't listen and they are trying to just walk out the door and walk across the street, get in your car and place the bet. Do you have to do it right then and there? Is it that important? I guess for some of these people it is. But also when you're a college athlete or you're a staffer, you go through training about betting. You can't even bet. You can't even be a part of a, if there's money involved, a um, NCAA basketball bracket. People would ask me all the time, and I would have to turn it down because there was money. You know, you put in $5, you put in $2, whatever. But as soon as money was involved, I couldn't be involved. And we couldn't, I think the only thing we could bet on was poker and horse racing. Couldn't bet on any sport that, any pro sport or any college sport that had a pro sport tied to it. And I say all this because at the University of Iowa, Iowa State University, and a couple of other schools, they have been betting there's investigations going on. They've been betting on uh, college women's basketball games. 
and other sports. I think the some of these are also track members of the track team, members of the baseball teams at those schools. And there's a staffer at the University of Iowa also under investigation. Again, people, let me educate you. Nobody should be betting on anything if you're a part of the NC2A. It is very clear. They make it very, very clear. Just like the thing that we signed that says that you're a mandated reporter, it also makes a sign that we know that we're not allowed to bet on things. Well, I'm at the end of another quick hit. Let me know what you think. Uh, reach out to me. I'll be back in a second to put a bow on this show. And maybe look further here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast Quick Hits. Our summers are so short in Minnesota, it can be easy to forget about important safety measures. And when extreme heat is involved, safety is even more critical. Here are a few things to remember to keep you and your loved ones, including your pets, safe and comfortable. One, remember to not leave your pets and kids in your vehicle. Two, always stay hydrated in hot weather. Three, avoid exercise during the hottest times of the day. Four, stay in air conditioning as much as possible. Five, when traveling, stay sky aware. Check the forecast, prepare for unsafe driving conditions, thunderstorms, and tornadoes. High temperatures kill hundreds of people every year, but most heat-related deaths and illnesses are preventable. If we all slow down, take some time, check on our loved ones, and enjoy the beautiful season. I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. I hope you're never injured in a collision, but if you are, don't sign anything until you've talked to us. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Bradshaw and Bryant. Yeah. Yeah, I'm out at Brooklyn. Now I'm down in Tribeca, right next to the Nero. But I'll be hood forever. I'm the new Sinatra. And since I made it here, I can make it anywhere. Yeah, they love me everywhere. I used to cop in Harlem. All of my Dominicanos right there up on Broadway. Pull me back to that McDonald's. Took it to my stack. And we're back to put a wrap on another show. I appreciate you listening. Tell a friend. Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and other outlets. Google. It's been, actually, it's been fun doing these last four or five shows, getting into stuff that I really enjoy and stuff that I really have some knowledge on. So tell a friend, as my uh, friend in St. Louis, Kevin B. said, he could hear the passion come out. I guess that's what he means by passion. I want to thank my sponsor, my title sponsor, Mike Bryant at Bradshaw and Bryant Personal Injury Law Firm. They're the best. And also, somebody who's burning in the streets up to, out there in the world of Jersey and shirt making, Alan Link Johnson at Link's Art, L I N K A R T Z dot com, linkarts.com. He's got it going on with embroidery. He just told me today he's going to be doing heat seal patches. And, uh, of course, he started his business with uh, what we used to call digital quick turn. But uh, the new form of jersey making where there's uh, everything is lasered and I'm struggling. (laughs) He's going to kill me. I'm struggling with the name of 
the actual term that they use now, but uh, it's it looks great. Uh, you can see it on his website, and um, also, of course, jbsglovepair.com, one of the best glove repair people in the country. So with that, please tell a friend. I hope you've been enjoying these quick hits. And uh, let's see what knucklehead things they do in college sports next. And I'll be here to comment on it with quick hits here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. JB is my name and f***ing up motherfuckers is my game. Right on. Negro, black, African-American, black, black, black. Django, J.B. Damn, Dolomite. Great God in heaven, you know J.B. Our great Negro sex machine.